Thanks for tuning in to the Bethany Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message helps you grow in your faith with Christ. If you'd like to find out more about what's going on at Bethany or GIF, you can visit us online at bethanysite.com or download our mobile app. Hello, Bethany. It's so good to see everyone, and uh, if you've joined us online, we just want to welcome you, and it's uh, wonderful to have you join us for worship. If you'd turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 16, John chapter 16, we're going to be uh, looking uh, again at this uh, series called Take Heart, and uh, I, I want you to know that uh, there is um, uh, some announcement that I wanted to make. We did a, a youth auction, uh, uh, dessert auction a few weeks ago, and I wanted to give you the uh, total, and uh, it's pretty uh, pretty exciting. It was a wonderful event. There was tons of people. It was a great dinner and uh, lots of wonderful desserts, and uh, it was really a, a fundraiser for our youth for camp. And so the total was $17,416, which is... Just really awesome and very exciting, and uh, the, it goes to help with camp, and we have a, a winter camp coming up in uh, February, uh, February 17th through the 20th, and uh, it's going to be um, like $199 if you get it in before uh, the first of the year. So we'd love to have uh, 100 kids go to winter camp. It's really exciting. That uh, 199 is really discounted, deep discount, because of... Uh, uh, all the generosity of that dessert auction. Uh, so let me uh, uh, call your attention to our theme verse for uh, John 16. Our theme verse is John 16:33. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That take heart is the idea of uh, be of good courage, be of good cheer. Uh, it's the idea of be courageous. And so we want to be people that take heart. We want to go through things. We take heart because Jesus, we have peace in him. And I'm going to read to you John 16, 20 through 24. And the title of this message is Grief and Joy. Grief and Joy. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And he gives this message that's John 14 all the way through uh, John 16. Then John 17, he prays for his disciples. So let me read to you verses 20 through 24. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask. And you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And when we look at the background of this, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling them, you know, I'm going to be going away. He's been telling them I'm going away. And uh, he, he says to them, uh, this is going to be a time of grief for you. And in the next 24 hours, and then for the next three days, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to go the next day into trial uh, he's going to be arrested that night. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to be, you know, tortured and beaten and then die a cruel death. 
and then he's going to be buried, and then on the third day he's resurrected. So when he tells them this is going to be your time of grief, uh, the disciples love the Lord Jesus Christ, and they have no idea, even though he's telling them, they have no idea really what's going to happen. And that night they fail every one of them miserably. They all fall away. Uh, Peter, one of the lead disciples, denies him three times. You know, uh, then, you know, they end up hiding in this upper room. Uh, you know, the women go to the grave first, you know, and then they, they run into Jesus who's been resurrected. So it's just a horrible, horrible uh, three days that the disciples are going to go through. And Jesus says, you guys are going to grieve, but then... You're going to see me again, and you're going to have joy. And you're going to have joy that's full. And one of the coolest things he says is, you can ask me anything. Ask my father anything in my name, and it will be given to you. So we'll look at that, and uh, I just want to ask this question or try to answer this question. How do you find joy uh, when things aren't going that great? How do you find joy when you're in grief? How do you find joy uh, when you have all kinds of anxiety and stress and everything's happening uh, that you don't want to have happening? So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to try to answer that. So look at verse uh, 20. Jesus says, and this is number one, and you can download our app and it has the notes on there. This is number one, grief. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Uh, When Jesus is referring to the world, he's talking about that world that they're in, uh, the Jewish world, the the Jewish leaders, the, 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 the... the Sanhedrin, the, uh, the, the whole uh, Roman uh, trials that he's going through, and he's saying they're going to rejoice. They're going to be happy when they put me to death. But I want you to know you're going to grieve, and your grief is going to turn to joy. Uh, but you are going to go through grief. And that word grief is, in English, is where we get the word lupus, which is a, a blood disease. And it's the idea of really being in sorrow. And you guys are going to go through that. And then he compares it, verse 21, to a woman giving birth. He uses this childbirth illustration. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And I want you to know that Jesus kind of turns this illustration of, of a woman giving birth to a child kind of upside down on its head. Because all the places you know, that I could find in the Bible that talk about uh, childbirth and the anguish of having a child, uh, the, the pain that women go through having a child, um, uh, all has to do with terrible stuff happening. And Jesus turns it upside down instead of like the end of the world or going into captivity. He turns it upside down and says, but at the end, there's just joy because there's going to be this baby. Let me read you some of these. And these sound terrible. So just hang in there. The message will get better. Okay, this is one of those ones you just kind of have to put on your thinking hat. But these are horrible, horrible things. And a lot of them are from Isaiah, which is talking about, you know, the, the horrible stuff that's happening when, when the, the Jewish nation is overrun by Babylon and taken into captivity. Terror will seize them. Pain and anguish will grip them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at each other and their faces aflame. 
there's just these prophecies against Babylon and prophecies of the captivity. Isaiah 21.3 says, at, my, at, at this, my body is racked with pain. Pang seized me like those of a woman in labor. I'm staggered by what I hear. I'm bewildered by what I see. And it's really talking like end of the world kind of stuff. Isaiah 26.17 says, As a woman with child and about to give birth rise and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, O Lord. I mean, these are just horrible things. I remember when we uh, had our first uh, child. We had George. Uh, you know, we just celebrated his 40th birthday. I can't believe I have a 40-year-old son. And it just seems like yesterday. And, and, and you know, I, we were older parents. Anyway, we'd been married seven years. And and uh, we finally were going to get this child, and uh, we went to, um, you know, like, Lamaze classes, but it was called Bradley. And uh, they're real strict, and they don't want you to try anything. They don't want to take you any Pitocin or do any of that kind of stuff. And you do all this practicing the breathing, the he, I don't know if you remember all that kind of stuff. And so we did all this practicing, and we're new parents, and we go to the place, and she's really having these birth pangs. And we get there, and, and we just wait for hours. It's just hour after hour after hour. And I know Elaine, every time she got one of these things, she got to like nine and a half and then stopped. And then it was just like she was at nine and a half. You only have to go to ten. That's when you have the baby. So she was at nine and a half for hours, you know. And the hardest part about it is I was so hungry, you know. It was so (laughs) terrible. And um, whenever I say that kind of stuff, people laugh because, you know, men, you really have no idea how bad it is. And she was writhing. And then they had other people coming in. You know, we had all tons of other ones that would come in and they were this kind of like waiting room. This is before you had a birthing room kind of thing. So you had this waiting room and then you went into it and had the baby and there was one person after another and the ones that came in, they didn't do any of the hee hee hoo hoo, all the breathing we were doing and practicing. They would just scream. They would writhe and scream and it would come out, you know, and it was just like boom, 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 boom. Finally, you know, Elaine agreed to have Pitocin, and then everything started to happen. They took us in there, and then uh, the nurse, because it was really having a hard time, two nurses put their hands on the top of her, her stomach up here, this part, and began to push the baby out, you know. It was so dramatic, and I'm telling you, it was so dramatic, and Elaine was in so much pain, and it was unbelievable. So when I read these things, these memories come back to me and I do not know how women go through this. This is so, so terrible. The comparison many times to this kind of pain is uh, like third degree burns. It's just so painful. Some of you who haven't had babies yet, you're going like, I, I may not want to have babies. So Micah 4 9 says, well, why do you now cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your counselor perished? That pain seizes you like a woman in labor. You know, it's just this, like, it's the horrible stuff. And then Mark 13, 8, uh, the Lord Jesus uses this about the end of the world, the second coming. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. And these are just the beginning of birth pangs. I mean, like, it is going to be terrible when the world ends. It's going to be horrible. Many people come up to me and say, Pastor George, do you think we're in the end times? And I said, there's nothing from keeping uh, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ from coming. There's nothing holding him back. So, yeah, we're, we're in there. And it seems all the bad stuff that you hear about on the news constantly, you know, those are like birth pangs. 
but it isn't heavy labor yet because it's really going to get bad. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.3 talk about uh, the end times. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Remember when we had our third child, when we had Evan, uh, Elaine was... Uh, so many years old and I was uh, uh, one week from 40 when we had Evan and so I was like an older dad and when she started getting the labor pains you know they encouraged us to walk so we went up we had the trail behind us in our house in Bellingham so we went up on this trail and we started walking and Elaine would walk along and I was holding her hand and and uh, uh, we were just walking along and then all of a sudden she'd grip my hand really strong and she'd bend over and oh and she'd make this noise and oh and I go oh honey it's so bad I'm so sorry she goes no this is nothing I know what the real pain feels like, and it's coming, you know. And that's always what the scriptures always say. But here, in this scripture, Jesus says there's going to be this joy at the end of the labor. There's going to be joy at the end of this grief. And it's the most wonderful thing. He doesn't take it as like the end of the world and, and, you know, death and destruction and just the pain. He says, but when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born. And so this is the idea that you guys are going to grieve now. Now's the time of your grief. But then you're going to have joy. So that's the second thing on my outline. Number two, joy. Verse 22, so with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And that word joy is the idea to be glad or to have gladness and to rejoice and to have deep delight and happiness and enjoyment and even bliss or elation. It's the idea of joyfulness. It is true joy. Verse 23, in that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. And this is the idea of complete joy. And that word can be uh, the idea of full of joy or uh, filled with joy or total joy or maximum joy or the greatest joy or the highest joy or the most joy or deep joy or chock full of joy or bursting with joy or jam packed with joy. Jesus is saying you guys will have the most unbelievable joy. Almost like there's an ocean of joy and God is going to drop you into that ocean and you will sink into the wonderful joyness of Jesus joy can't say it any more than that it's just so wonderful so let me ask the question how many of you would like to have that joy okay so now I'm going to be talking about some of the stuff that really relates to us so verse 24 says until now You've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You'll have this complete uh, joy. And there seems to be that the asking is the contingency for complete joy. So our job is to ask. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. And so the asking and the receiving causes us to have joy because it tells us we're in a relationship with a loving heavenly father 
And Jesus, if we pray in his name, begins to answer our prayers. So I, I just want to backtrack just for a second. Let me just kind of like backtrack and just remind you that we've looked at John 14, John 15, now we're in John 16. And each of those chapters, Jesus says the same thing. It's just a reminder. Ask, ask, ask. Uh, John 14, 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so this is the idea that our job is to ask and to ask and to ask. And a lot of times people feel unworthy to ask. And so they stop asking. Or they don't have it answered the way they wanted to have it answered and they figure that God isn't really in the giving them the answers. So I want to encourage you to not be afraid to ask and then uh, just give you uh, two things on how we should ask God, how we should ask in Jesus' name. So number one, ask in Jesus' name. Notice he says uh, in verse 23, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. That's why you hear uh, Christians all saying in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. It's the most powerful name in heaven and earth. And so we can just ask and ask in his name. And then number two, ask for whatever. Ask for anything. Ask for everything. In that day you'll no longer ask me Anything, very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. Whatever, ask him. Now, somebody's going to say, hey, I asked God for a lot of money and it didn't come through. And someone's going to say, hey, I asked for a Cadillac to be on my driveway and it didn't come through. Or I asked for this or I asked for that. And I want you to know that our God is a good God. And he is a good, good father. And if you want to ruin your children, I mean, if you want to set out saying, I'm going to be the one parent that absolutely ruins my children, then you will answer every request they give you with yes. Whatever they ask, you'll just give it to them and give it to them and give it to them and never say no, and you will ruin your kids. So if you love your kids, you're going to say sometimes, you know, only two cookies. Only two cookies. We had our kids over for, um, and our grandkids over for Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to have Thanksgiving with our son uh, in Hawaii. Uh, it's going to be rough, so pray for us as we go. <laughs> and uh, we, when we were in Moscow a few weeks ago, we had uh, Thanksgiving dinner with uh, Katie and Aaron and celebrated that baby that's coming. And uh, turkey is so expensive, so we decided to have chicken, you know, instead of turkey. So we had with our son and his wife, Sarah, and the two grandkids, Wesley and Novella, we, we had uh, Thanksgiving uh, dinner with chicken and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce and peas and carrots and beets and onions. And mashed potatoes is both my grandkids' favorite. And they said to me, could we have some mashed potatoes? Could we please have mashed potatoes? And I got it out and said, yes, you may. And I gave them mashed potatoes. And, and Novella eats mashed potatoes like me. 
you know, so she puts peas on them, you know, and we mix up the peas in them and then put the gravy over it. It's so good. It's the best way to eat mashed potatoes. And, and she's my favorite granddaughter. I don't know if you know that. She's just, I just, she's so, she's a girl after my heart, you know, and so we just loved eating mashed potatoes. And then Wesley's no peas. So he's in my naughty list, but he had mashed potatoes. And then we said, do you want pumpkin pie or do you want berry galette? And he had two choices. And both of them wanted pumpkin pie. It's warmed my heart. Because Elaine, for me, makes the best pumpkin pie. It's a really light pumpkin pie. And she made it from uh, blue Hubbard pumpkin that she baked herself and, and made the, the mixture. And it's a very sweet pumpkin, so you only have to put, like, uh, a quarter cup of sugar yeah, for two pies. I mean, it's so little sugar, and, and that's what I need. And so she makes it, and it's so sweet and so good. And then she made uh, this whipping cream, real whipping cream, heavy cream. And she mixes and mixes and mixes and mixes. And then I forget what she has. adds a little vanilla. She adds no sugar to it. And it becomes like uh, the English clotted cheese when you have tea. I mean, it's so thick. And she put it, you know, and I, I was the one that was dishing it out. So I said, Novella, do you want some whipped cream? And she said, yeah. And so I put some on her. And I said to Wesley, do you want some whipped cream? He said, yes, please, Grandpa, give me some whipped cream. And so I just took a little tiny bit, I mean, like not even a teaspoon, and I just dabbed his pumpkin pie. And he looked up and he was so disappointed. He said, Grandpa, I want more whipped cream. And I said, you do? And then I took a big hunk and gave him way more than I should have, you know. And he was so happy. And I want you to know that kids ask and ask and ask. And later in the night, they said to their grandmother, to Elaine, can we decorate the Christmas tree? Because Elaine had put up a Christmas tree with just lights. You know, we were just thinking, hey, make it simple, just lights. And they wanted to put on bulbs. So Elaine got out the bulbs, and they put on the bulbs. And, and whatever they were asking for, most of the time, we said yes. But every so often, we say no. Uh, we had the kids over the week before. And uh, we had soup and toast. And uh, Novella let us know that her mom had put a limit on the amount of bread. She said, I can only have five pieces of toast. <laughs> and Elaine goes, is that what your mother said? He said, yes. She says, well, here in Grandma's house, you only get two. <laughs> and so we have a good God. And many times, he doesn't just give us everything we want. But he gives us the most wonderful things, but he doesn't want us to stop asking. Jesus wants us to ask all the time, to ask and receive. And the more you ask, the more you will receive. So there's some things that we can ask for that he will always say yes to. We can ask for salvation. Jesus will always save us. We can ask for forgiveness of sin. And Jesus will always forgive us our sin. Uh, The New Testament says we can always ask for wisdom. And he will always give us wisdom. So when you ask for wisdom, you need to act when you get wisdom. And many times people make really unwise choices. And when they start asking God to give them wisdom, many times those are guardrails that help us go through life and really help us to grow in our faith and in discernment. But the one thing I wanted to teach you, and I hope it will help you as much as it's helped me, because I got this from my dad, is number three, our grief-joy cycle. 
A grief joy cycle. In the Psalms, Psalms 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And so that night was a horrible night for the disciples. And then three days later, Jesus was resurrected and there was joy. And there's a grief joy cycle uh, that I'd like to talk to you about. And that is that you have grief and then you lament and then you have thanksgiving and then you have joy. Um, And this can be practiced in the big things. The really big things in life where we have grief, we have a loss of a loved one, or we have a terrible disappointment in a friendship, or we have a bankruptcy or a divorce, or you know, we have a, a struggle, terrible struggle with a sin or an addiction. Uh, and many times we have terrible grief. But it can also be little things that we grief and then lament, then we have thanksgiving, and then we have joy. Let me give you an example Um, The 10th of November uh, was the second year anniversary of my dad's home going, going to heaven. And uh, all of November, you know, is kind of uh, remembering my dad. And and it's also um, nostalgic for me because of the changing of the seasons. And that's when we go into the dark and my sleep is bothered by the dark. You know, I start getting up at three in the morning. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know. And then um, when I look at the fall leaves, certain trees, when I look at the, the really red and orange trees, you know, some trees were just absolutely beautiful. I look at them and they are so beautiful in their fall color that I almost get teary. I mean, it is so amazingly, but I also get pangs of, of nostalgia. And I thought of my dad a lot. And every time I thought of my dad, you know, I would think of different things. And, you know, one of the things that caused me when I think of my dad, then I think of my mom, and then my mom died in 2014. And so then I have these pangs of grief, and they're sharp, and they hurt. You know, there's like, a, uh, like an ice pick going into your heart, and you remember wonderful things, and you miss them. And then I have a lament and the Psalms, I read the Psalms every morning. And the Psalms, you know, are, can be divided up into two things, laments and thanksgiving. And laments, you know, are crying out, oh, God, I'm in trouble. Oh, God, I'm, I'm sad. Oh, God, I'm disappointed. Oh, God, I'm in, I'm in need of rescue, you know. And so these laments, and so I'd have this grief, and then I would lament, you know. But then I would always turn it to thanksgiving almost immediately because my dad taught me that. And when he was grieving for my mom, he would turn it to Thanksgiving. And he would immediately thank God for 62 years with his wife, Novella. And one of the things I would thank, I would thank the the Lord Jesus Christ for my dad. And I had a good dad. And I loved him. And he was a mentor. And he was a friend. and, And he was my dad. And so I would thank, I'd thank the Lord. And everything I just told you would happen in about one minute. I just took, you know, like five minutes explaining it. But it can actually happen in about 30 seconds. You can have memories, you can have little griefs through the day. You can have little pains that bother you. And you lament. But then if you turn it to thanksgiving, but thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for my dad. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, there's certain things that we want or desire. We don't always get them. And so we have griefs. 
Sometimes we have friends disappoint us, or we have things with our spouse that causes us to get irritated at them or them at us. And for a moment, there's a grief. It's a pang. But then if you lament it and then go to Thanksgiving very quickly, and I have been spending big portions of the day, this week, last week, just thanking God, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. And it is one of the most wonderful things in all the world. So if I were to say, you know, if I could give you anything, um, I would give you two things. This is what I'd want for you. If you remember last week, we talked about people who are coming to Bethany and God is kind of speaking to them, but they don't know Jesus yet, but they're really close. They're really close to the Savior. He's calling them. And I gave you this challenge, and the challenge is the Christmas Eve challenge uh, to ask for proof. Remember last week we looked at John 16, 9 and 10. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove to the world that they're wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment because they do not believe in Christ. And God is big enough, Jesus is big enough, that you can ask him every day from now until Christmas to prove himself, and he'll prove himself to you. But you have to do this. You have to read one of the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read one of them, and you read a chapter or half a chapter every day, and whatever it says, then you do it. And if you're not a Christian quite yet, I want you to start acting like you're a Christian. Whatever you read, then you do it. You start acting like Jesus and see if he doesn't prove to you. And then on Christmas Eve, I want you to come to one of the Christmas Eve services. We'll give an invitation. And then I want you to give your life to Christ. The second thing I would want for all of us is this practice of the grief-joy cycle. That no matter if we have big griefs or we have, have uh, small griefs. And I find during holiday season, people are struggling with family, family get-togethers, you know, getting together on Christmas Eve uh, or Christmas Day with the weird Uncle Harry or the, you know, the, the crazy, you know, aunt or uh, a sibling that you've fallen out with. And those are griefs. And you can take those griefs and turn them into joy by finding the thanksgiving part of it. Everyone's really quiet all of a sudden. Hey, stand with me. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to sing a last song. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. I just pray for each person here. Pray that you would help us when we go through griefs, big or small, that we would be able to find uh, that thanksgiving part where we're thankful and we thank you and thank you and thank you. And then experience your joy, experience complete joy. We ask that you would work in our lives. We thank you for the good things that you do. Oh, Father God, thank you that we can ask in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.